0: Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest.
1: Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode number one hundred and eight. I'm Paul Spain, and in this special episode, we feature a chat with Kim Dotcom. Uh, I'm joined by a number of other uh, TV and uh, print and online media in talking with Kim Dotcom, uh, and also a few comments from uh, from the mega lawyer. Ira Rothkin. Now apologies it is hard to hear some of the questions from from media that are uh, at, at the other end of the table but I'm sitting right next to uh, Kim, Kim.com just adjacent to him so it's certainly easy to hear my questions and his responses should be pretty clear so I hope you en- enjoy this one this is a really an inside peek uh, into uh, into what happened at the .com uh, mansion yesterday afternoon with Kim.com
2: So uh, we're here today for the media. Main- a press conference, and we welcome everybody. Okay. And uh, we can go ahead and begin. And just go ahead and put your hand up, and, and we'll call on you.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, thanks all for coming. And uh, you know, we're very excited today. We launched the site at 6:48 a.m. this morning, and uh, overwhelming response. Uh, the site uh, felt like a like a cruise ship that has massive overcapacity and we're trying to steer it through a massive storm. Uh, So, you know, we had a lot of users interested in the site. We have stabilized uh, everything now and uh, it's amazing how many people have signed up. So, you know, later at the press conference I will provide some statistics of the first, uh, first 14 hours uh, of uh, the site being live. if you guys have any uh, questions just go ahead
1: I guess um, one of the obvious questions is that uh, is this in a way sort of a revenge or sort of, a drawer, sort of uh, two fingers uh, to the authorities even though you know because you're now still facing a possible extradition
0: yeah so this should not be seen as the mocking of uh, you know any government or Hollywood this is uh us being innovators and uh, executing our right to uh, run a business, and uh, we started developing this new uh, business last September after you know many months of frustration uh, about delays in our case about uh, you know illegality and wrongdoing in our case and the abuse of our rights and uh, this is certainly not. Our way of saying, uh, you know, show, showing anybody the finger, it's uh, us being innovators and uh, taking seven years of experience in the cloud storage industry and creating uh, what we believe to be the best cloud storage product out there currently. Following up on John's question, the timing of the launch, one year the day in the
2: second exactly you, you think some of the, of the music industry might see that as a bit of a poke in the eye would you being a little bit prov-
0: provocative you know I was thinking if I uh, do this and if we launch this I would want it to be on the day of the raid because I would want that anniversary to be something positive rather than uh, you know horrible so we decided uh, to launch it on that day, and of course uh, i mean it's it's also a move to to say that we are still here, you know we are still breathing, and uh, that is you know if, if you consider what has happened to us a year ago, that is probably the least likely event that anyone would have expected, you know when you saw the indictment and you saw the news uh, out there about what happened uh, within a week after the raid no one would have expected anything like this i guess yes of course i mean you know it's uh, it was a totally unexpected event it was unfair we felt that uh, we became a, a, a ball in a very big and powerful game and uh, unfortunately you know in that game there were no rules so our rights were be- were ignored uh, the protections the safe harbor protections that our company was supposed to have were just overridden and uh, the business was completely destroyed uh, millions of users lost access to their files overnight 220 People that worked in our company have lost their jobs without any further payment or anything. So, yes, I'm still angry, and I think it will take some time before that subsides.
2: What were you doing this time right now last year?
0: I was in a cell, in a prison cell. Uh, I think uh, around this time uh, we were at. Uh, North Shore Court District Court, and they were uh, putting us in a waiting, in a holding cell, to take us up to the courtroom to see the judge uh, regarding our uh, bail. Because right away, on the first day, uh, we wanted to, you know, have bail and and uh, be free and. Uh, you know, work on our defense and things like that. So around this time, uh, they would have, uh, you know, told us that it's, uh, I think it was 2.30 or Mm -hmm. 2.45 in the afternoon that we were taken up into the courtroom. And that is the famous scene where we are all standing in front of that glass wall, the four of us, uh, and the eyes of the world on us, and everyone uh, pointing at us, saying we are the over-pirates of the planet. So that's uh, still pretty vivid in my in my head that memory.
1: Um, so if we compare what's happening now with with Mega in terms of the service that you're going to uh, deliver, obviously it brings um, the encryption aspect to it. Yeah. What? Um, what else makes it different from MegaUpload.com, or is it potentially uh, going to upset the same the same people again?
0: Well, there are a lot of uh, innovations on the new side. I think what's important to understand is that uh, only nine months ago, changes that were made to HTML5, improvements that were made, and the latest versions of uh, the new browsers made it possible that we can have these features on-the-fly encryption. You know, A year ago, this wouldn't have been possible. Uh, same with the upload and download acceleration, which is integrated into the browser, so multiplexing of connections uh, is also something uh, fairly new, and it's also not yet supported by all uh, browsers. But if you use the Chrome browser, you have so many benefits that just didn't exist. And we are the first site in the world that takes advantage of these things. I mean, no one has ever done on-the-fly encryption and no one has ever uh, had a built-in download, upload accelerator with resume capability and all these things. Uh, What's also new is, of course, uh, the way the file manager is designed. Did you have a chance to look at the site? So the file manager... uh, also has a lot of awesome new features that uh, you wouldn't really find on any other website. Compare our file manager with the one from Dropbox, for example. They are, they are worlds apart. Uh, what we have now is a state-of-the-art uh, space travel version of a cloud storage site that uh, nobody else has.
1: So would it be fair to say that if Mega Upload hadn't been taken offline, <coughs> that you probably would have come to the same point with mega upload, uh, .com, with the existing business you would have steered it in this direction anyway. absolutely
0: not it wouldn't it wouldn't even be possible to do this and uh, no one else who is currently in business in the cloud storage arena can just update their site and be like us. You have to start from scratch, you know. Otherwise, this whole uh, encryption logic wouldn't work, and you know the user-managed uh, uh, keys and all of that. So, in that regard, this fresh start for Mega is a good thing. Okay.
1: Are there any concerns with taking advantage of those new features in HTML5 so early on? Are, mm-hmm. are there any sort of security risks that we might want to figure out just yet?
0: Uh, I don't think that there are uh, any security risks for us because even the web server we developed ourselves. We don't have any standard code running that people could just connect to and and, uh, use vulnerabilities to uh, hack our service. All of the people that were involved in creating the site have a background in data security. So we put a lot of emphasis on making sure that uh, the service is, uh, you know, highly secure. And uh, the other question was HTML5 having issues. Uh, It it is definitely the case that um, what we are doing now is so new that we don't even know for sure um, if there are still compatibility issues, if it's all going to run stable. But what we do know... Is that uh, browser technology is going to advance, and with this new site, all the browser makers are also going to look at this, and they will be like, "Wow, you know, they are taking this to a whole new level," and they will be supporting that. I mean, just uh, in the in the first two hours, two hundred fifty thousand user sign-ups, right? Browser makers will take notice because right now we are saying you should use Chrome if you want to use this site, right? So the others will not like that, and they will try and fix uh, the little incompatibilities that they still have. Not every browser maker has implemented HTML5 uh, as well as Chrome.
2: The uh, IP <laughs>
0: I know where you're going. <laughs> FBI and DOJ yeah. and MPAA. Well, we have a list of IP addresses that we're going to check against the database at some point, but we didn't have time. And I, I really only had uh, three hours of sleep. <laughs> so that was the last thing we were worried about. Uh, we just wanted to make sure. Initially, it was really... Totally unbelievable the load that we had. Let me give you an example. We have 25, I mean, we have over, you know, we have hundreds of servers, right? But we have 25 servers just for the portal servers that are loading the website. These are servers that should be able to handle almost any kind of load. You know, if you have 25 of these servers, then each of them is connected to a 10 gigabit. Uh, connection, you know, straight into the router, straight with fiber. Those 25 servers that have been set up, they have been optimized to each handle, uh, you know, thousands of connections and uh, they are the fastest hardware out there. The site was choking (laughs) from uh, the amount of users that wanted to sign up. And... You know, we have never seen anything like it. I think nothing like this has ever happened in the history of the internet, with any startup. So we were sitting there, and I mean, you should have heard us. We were on a Skype conference, and was just screaming, "Wow! Oh, no way!" <laughs> you know. So that was the 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 feeling uh, initially after the launch, and still now, I mean, the load is amazing. It's, it's unbelievable how many people are signing up and trying the site. And the feedback so far has been good, even though a lot of them would have had a choppy experience in the beginning because of that. Uh,
1: are any of those service-based in New Zealand, or is it primarily overseas at this stage?
0: Yeah, we have one rack with service in New Zealand, uh, but primarily uh, it's overseas. The issue in New Zealand is simply the bandwidth cost. Uh, it's not economical to... Uh, have a cloud storage business in New Zealand at the moment, simply because of that uh, monopoly of one cable and the pricing situation. Let me give you an example. If you are an ISP in New Zealand, meaning you buy direct from the Southern Cross conglomerate, you pay you know twenty eight dollars per megabit it 's insane that 's more than thirty times what we are paying now with our international connectivity. And the other thing is, within New Zealand, the peering arrangements are, are really weak. They hardly exist. So even if you want to have traffic within New Zealand, you have to pay two dollars per megabit uh, inside a country, where in every other country in Europe or in the U.S., it's all free peering. it costs you nothing. So you know the, the fact that the infrastructure and the pricing and this monopol, mon- monopolistic setup Um, is making it impossible to have a cost-effective offering like this in New Zealand is really hindering New Zealand to become any kind of player in the Internet game. And I think that is why it's so important that this needs to change and there needs to be a second cable and there needs to be uh, some real competition to bring these prices down and attract Internet business to come here and content to come here to uh, you know, f- let the, the Internet business in New Zealand flourish. At the moment, there's a giant wall yeah, uh, shielding New Zealand saying, go away. Internet business, don't come here, right? We don't have cheap connectivity, we don't have good connectivity, and we are raiding uh, IT companies. So you know, there's a big sign here saying, don't go here. And that's, uh, of course, bad for New Zealand. Any more
2: questions? The exhibition case won't succeed. But what would you do if you went? Would
0: you stay there or would you? See, that's a good question. Uh, I thought about this quite a bit and I'm still, it's an ongoing thought process. Um, my biggest fear is if we succeed, and I believe in that and our lawyers believe in that. Uh, will there be an end will that be enough to say okay we made a mistake leave this guy alone or will the people in government and the senior people in law enforcement take this defeat and, and be bitter about it and try and find something else create something else Uh, surveil me, cause me problems, Uh, that is an unknown. And I'm worried about that because, let me give you an example of what's happening to me, an ongoing uh, persecution, an example of what's happening. You know, when I have guests come to see me in New Zealand, and they arrive at the airport, and uh, they honestly fill out their arrival card, Saying they are staying at the dot com mansion, you know, because they are staying at my guest house. That includes journalists, that includes a documentary maker, that includes uh, a music producer, a Hollywood uh, producer. All these people came here to see me, and the moment they tell them they go to stay at the dot com mansion, they are held at the airport for hours, they are strip searched, their luggage is unpacked and screened for. You know, whatever. Uh, one of them had to open their laptop and turn it on, and uh, uh, the, the the people at uh, uh, you know airport, uh, immigration, or whatever, police uh, were asking to turn it on and show him some things, uh, which is unheard of. And just the other day, one of our partners arrived uh, from Hong Kong. And again, he spent four hours in the airport having to ask the most bizarre, answer the most bizarre uh, questions. You know, why are you seeing Kim.com? What is your business with him? Uh, you know, have you had any involvement in anything to do with uh, his internet business? And da, 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 da. See, and this this is the kind of example. The state can continue to cause me all kinds of problems, even if I'm already... Uh, successful uh, and and uh, you know winning the extradition, that's what we what we fear the most. And if that is the case, if we have a sense of that happening, uh, we would probably prefer a fresh start uh, somewhere else. But if we can, uh, if if it can, if defeat can be accepted when it comes to that. We love New Zealand. We would like to remain here. It's a beautiful country. The people have been great to us. We have had a lot of support from New Zealanders. So, you know, we are welcome here and would like to be here. But it depends on, on how the government treats us. <laughs> I think I would be fine in Venezuela, in North Korea, (laughs) Iran. Certainly in Iran I could have a a peaceful life until, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, I don't want to be in a situation where I am on some kind of watch list and on some kind of ongoing uh, program of being intimidated. Uh, That's why I think the ideal solution for all parties involved is some kind of diplomatic solution where everyone is allowed to save face. You know, I'm a reasonable guy. If they would come to me tomorrow and say, hey, let's talk about this, maybe that wasn't all right the way we do it. Uh, You know, I I would be willing to sit down and I would be willing to find a compromise and I would also be willing to help the content industry with my know-how Uh, You know, and help them to have a business model that is more effective when it comes to battling piracy. Because a lot of this piracy problem is really around how they are doing business today. It's not compatible with the internet age that we are living in, you know? You can't have uh, a content uh, producer release their content in one. Uh, country, and then tell everyone else around the world, wait three or six months, you see. That is really the problem, because people who are willing to pay for a product that they are eager to see, let's say you are a fan of a, a certain actor, you know that movie is out, you saw the trailer, you just want to watch it, you're willing to pay, but they are offering you no way to access it. And now there's a link saying download this now, watch it in five minutes uh, and it's all free, people will use that option and they will not even feel morally bad. They will just do it because they feel, well, I was ready to pay, you didn't give it to me and now I have to use an alternative. So, you know, a lot of this piracy problem has really to do with uh, the, the, the business model of Hollywood and uh, I need to explain this. Why is Hollywood so eager to keep their old, old, decade-old business model with all these licensing partners around the world? You know, releasing movies in different countries uh, one by one and rolling it out in that way. And once you understand that, you realize why they are so against this, uh, you know, internet and why they are so against... Uh, having to release things at the same time. Because what they do, if they have a new movie idea and they have a script and they have a director who's interested and they have a number of actors, they then go to their license partners around the world and say, hey, this is a movie we are going to make. Do you want to register your license already? And then through that process, they already raise the majority of the funding that is required to make that movie. So you are now in in a zero-risk environment. You basically run a business where you don't have to take your own money and put it into the product. Uh, You have all this whole network of licensing partners giving you their money so that you can make that movie. It's a license to print money without a risk. Why do you think the quality of movies over the... Last uh, you know 10 years has gone lower and lower and worse and worse. If you don't have a risk in creating the product, you, know, you don't pay that much attention to detail. You know Just think for a moment. if, if, if Hollywood would actually have to raise the money in, in their own uh, group and with just a few partners around the world who just want to be shareholders rather than licensing partners, they wouldn't have the same amount uh, of capital available to them. And they would actually have to start making great movies again, you see. So this whole licensing model is very important for Hollywood to have the the, the zero-risk business environment that they are in.
1: Just uh, You posted a picture of uh, the screen grade this morning, Mega Movie. Can, yeah. uh, can you explain what that was about? And also, uh, where are you at with your other projects like Mega Key?
0: Yeah. So Megamovie is a site that we uh, developed before the raid. Uh, it works in combination with uh, a software that is called Mega Key, And a user that installs the Mega key basically allows uh, us to replace some of the ads that they see online while they serve the Internet. Now, some people who have heard about this said, oh, ooh, you know, then uh, other publishers make less money. So let me explain to you how that works, because that has been misunderstood. Um, first of all, the Mega Key is replacing not more than, you know, 10% of the ads that you would see uh, usually. It's only replacing ads from the largest of internet companies, so from players like, you know, Google and Yahoo and other search engines. And we justified that by saying, right now Google is linking to all this content. Google uh, and their search engine, even though Google is a great company and I, I love them and I love their attitude, but Google is the largest index to pirated content in the world. And they don't pay any license holder and they are in business and they are doing really well. So... If my software can force companies like Google to pay a little share to content creators, it wouldn't really hurt them. It, I could justify it morally because they are linking to all this stuff anyway without having any rights to it. They are in the same boat like Mega Upload. You know? They could be shut down tomorrow as well. The, you could write just the same indictment that they wrote against us against Google tomorrow. So we wanted to take some of their ad revenue and initially for Megabox, our music startup, give that uh, to artists and basically have advertisers pay users for uh, viewing their ads. You know, They want to have your eyeballs. They want to have your attention. They want you to see their product. So why should only the publisher of the site get something? You should also get a tiny share of what they are paying out. And, you know, we had two million mega key users uh, when Mega Upload was still live. And those two million users had free premium services on Mega Upload. And we have uh, uh, statistical data of a very large test with, you know, two million users. And we had 1,500 advertisers connected to our own ad network, MegaClick, that were all participating in this uh, project. And at the end of a year, uh, based on our calculations, each of these users would have a $100 credit to buy content, buy premium services, buy content, buy music, buy a movie. So m- back to Movie. My idea was to present this to Hollywood as an alternative uh, solution to monetize the free market monetize those that are either not willing to pay or that can't pay because they are in a marketplace where the pricing is obscenely high and they just can't afford it and provide users with a legitimate opportunity to download content for free and a win-win scenario for everybody. The creator gets paid, the user gets something for free, and we also do well because we provide a solution. Uh, even though we take only 10% and 90% of all earnings go straight to content creators. And I flew in a Hollywood producer, a very famous Hollywood producer, who has worked, uh, you know, with with uh, Quentin Tarantino, for example. He has done all the movies with him, you know, Pulp Fiction, and so on. His name is Lawrence Bender. And I'm not sure if he's going to like me mentioning him. So, you know, if if you make contact, don't do it all at the same time. (laughs) But Lauren Spender was out here and spent a week with me here in New Zealand. And our discussions, our meeting was all about how can we get the Hollywood executives who are emotionally loaded about this whole piracy and Internet thing to the table to talk with us, start a dialogue, so that we can create a mega-movie website where we license their content, we pay them, just like Netflix and other providers. We pay them for their content, and we introduce them to this new method of monetizing free, actually making money from people who download things for free. And uh, the funny thing is, on the day of the raid, the raid was 648, at 10 local time. I, I had a call scheduled with a top executive at Sony Pictures and Lawrence. It was a conference call. And that would have been our first call to get this ball rolling. We had beforehand already contacted studios by email, but they would just, not, they would just ignore us and would say, hey, well, first you shut down your website before we even talk. We're like, mm, yeah, that's reasonable. So um, it never got to this. But what the U.S. government knew, what we have also done, and that is uh, a very important piece of information that hasn't been out there yet, and you are the first guys to hear about this, we had a villa booked in L.A. for a three-month period, starting of August, that year of the raid, starting in August. We had the chat uh, chartered, Everyone was, uh, you know, uh, informed to go. All the people that they arrested here would have been there. They knew that because they had access to my emails, they had access to Skype logs. They knew we are going to be in the U.S., all of us, just picking, you can pick us up from the airport, right, in August, six or seven months after uh, the raid. And, you know, having to go through an extradition process and involving a foreign country in a novel test case like this, you know, there was really no urgency for that. They could have just waited until August and, and you know, keep New Zealand out of it and don't cause all this uh, trouble. You know, they could have picked us up there, right from the airport. And it makes you think, why the rush? And I can tell you why, because it was election time and the fundraisers were in February, March, and April in Hollywood, where Obama would go to the dinners and, uh, uh, and raise money for his re-election campaign, and Michelle Obama uh, also did a fundraiser in Hollywood. And uh, the problem for the White House was, if SOPA fails, and I think everybody thought there is a chance that that might happen, if SOPA fails and I go there to these people and I want to ask for their support, if I don't have anything to show, I might have a real trouble uh, raising the money that I need and getting the support that I need. Because Hollywood is not just, you know, the money for the for the uh, re-election uh, campaign; it's also the media power, the TV stations that they control, the celebrity endorsements. You know, there's a, there's a whole. Bunch of uh, benefits that if I was a president and if I had to decide, do I want to be reelected and and have all this money and all this support for sure? Uh, if it uh, takes to shut down one website of you know one weird guy who's driving around with funny number plates and you know I mean the, he would have been told a, a, a fancy story about me. MPAA is ri- good at writing scripts, right? That's what's job. So. Um, but anyway, I'm spinning far, far away from your original question. I'm just passionate about it. So, Mega Movie uh, uh, was a site that uh, was ready. We wanted to enter into partnerships with Hollywood. That was our desire to be a legitimate uh, licensing partner uh, of Hollywood, and it never came to it, unfortunately. And that's why I sent them the screenshot today saying, you know, uh, look what we can do. We create stuff that people want innovative stuff cutting edge talk just talk you know no need for war and embarrassing things because this is going to be very embarrassing and potentially uh, also very costly for Hollywood because they pushed all the buttons they got all of this going and the political uh, power that Chris Dodd brought to the MPAA being you know 30 years senator best friend of Joe Biden uh, you know frequently in the White House and uh, calling in favors, you know, and saying, look, he, he went on the camera saying, if you guys don't do something for me, don't expect me to support you with your election. Don't, su- don't expect me to give you money. I don't know if any of you have seen that. There's a video clip on Kim.com where we found that on the Internet. It was, a, I think, Fox interview. And the guy said straight into the camera... I'm not going to pay you, Obama, if you don't do something about piracy. You know, and that's the guy who has been working with them on legislation and over 30 years. He was a runner-up to be vice president. If Joe Biden wouldn't be vice president, Chris Dodd would have been vice president. You see, these, you need to understand all these relationships and all these connections to understand why we have been attacked with this amount of force you know it's very unusual for new zealand to send an army invasion mm. in a copyright case 70 people you know some of them arriving in helicopters with assault guns attack dogs you know no civility just complete mayhem no police officer in new zealand would have decided to do that you know that is just way too risky i would stay away from that Unless there's someone from the very top telling me, hey, this is what we want. We need a show here. We need to show a force against piracy, and this is how we do it. And then combine that with the GCSB spying. I mean, the GCSB is a proper spy agency. You know, They deal with things like uh, terrorism. They want to find terrorists. You know, They listen to everything to help the U.S. government... Uh, deal with all the threats that they are facing, and now copyright is part of their uh, uh, protocol, that is really uh, another indicator how powerful the forces uh, must be behind that because they would not decide to do such a thing. Someone on top told them, this is what we need, you see. So Chris Dodd (coughs) is certainly the guy to look at in all of this and just one other relationship that I think is important to look at and if you guys do a bit of investigative digging you will find that out yourself the uh, state attorney that is managing this case for 20 years he has been working with uh, Joe Biden and Chris Dodd this guy was the anti-piracy head of the BSA, the Business Software Association, which is the same thing, like the MPAA, just for software uh, makers, like Microsoft and Oracle. So he was like Chris Dodd in a position to fight piracy inside such an organization. But also, uh, 20 years ago, he was a campaign manager for Joe Biden. And after that, for three years, he was Joe Biden's personal counsel, his lawyer, while Joe Biden was senator. Okay, And Joe Biden put him in the DOJ. So look at this connection. You know, Chris Dodd, Joe Biden, Neil McBride. There is no coincidence. This is uh, all a very political uh, case. And anyone who does some digging and finds what we found, and we have more, but I'm keeping that for our day in court, okay, we will be able to prove this political interference. This is not some theory. We have facts. But I want you guys to, you know, go with this information and look at it, because this is really important. Hmm. Are you picking an even bigger fight with, with
2: advertisers and publishers with mega
0: I don't think it's going to be a bigger fight because, like I described earlier, it's really taking it from the biggest players that are offering services where they already benefit from content in a big way. Google, I believe, is, is what, around 40 billion profit a year now? Yeah, just from advertising. 99% advertising. And if you uh, go to their website and you look for Album Madonna, You look for, you know, uh, Terminator 3, anything. You will find links on the first page that take you to content that you can download right away, okay? So Google is benefiting in a big way from linking to that stuff because when you type that in and you get your results, you also get to see Google Ads, and those advertisers pay money to be there, even though, you know, I I would suspect that at the bare minimum, the 10% of ad impressions that I want to take away from uh, from large uh, companies like that, the bare minimum is 10% searches on Google with piracy-related searches, where people are actually looking for content. And Google is paying nobody anything, you know? So. I think it's justified because this is not about taking it from small-time publishers or you know, newspapers or you know, people that, uh, that struggle already in the online game. You know? I mean, your industry has great difficulty monetizing the great content you provide, right? simply because there is this culture of free. And actually, an application like MegaKey, if you would partner with us, could help you. Sell your content better because you could become a partner and we could share some of this, uh, those ad impressions with you. If for example, you had a sign up process on your site. Let's say Der Spiegel, yeah, allows their users to access some premium content, like the latest stories, the big stories, okay, and all you are asking. Don't pay me, just install this little app. It's 60 kilobytes. You click on it, it integrates into your browser like this. And for that, we give you access to content for free premium content. Now, what happens is that user now has this plugin installed, and you were the party that got him to install that. Okay? So you get the lion's share from all of this ad revenue that comes into your pocket while this user is surfing the internet and he's not even visiting your site anymore. He's already long gone. He had access to his premium content. He read the story and now he's going to all these other sites that show Google ads and you are actually making money with that user surfing the internet. So isn't that an exciting business model for especially the, the, the media out there who's struggling to monetize the internet, if you can now make money not just from on-site advertising, the stuff that you show on your own site, but you know because you have a user who visits you frequently, who wants to have premium content for free and is willing to install this, you make money even if he's not on your website. And a model like this is going to save the news industry, you know, if you you have to look at it uh, with different eyes, this is not about stealing it from small players. This is just a reshuffling of ad income into the right pockets. In that that are you know, I mean, Google News uh, is linking to to all this news content, and if you move your mouse over over a, a result, you you almost get to see the full story or you get you know you get to see quite a lot but be- google is benefiting a lot from uh, new sites out there i mean i don't know if there is any kind of revenue share model where you guys are actually getting paid for that i haven't heard of anything like that
1: so with with google ad- adsense as a small publisher the publisher basically gets paid to run that ad on their site so will will publishers be able to opt out what you know because Otherwise, potentially, you know, let's say I'm making my living off Google AdSense. That's how I make yes. my money. And 10% or whatever percentage of that disappears, obviously, depending on what sort of content Not, I've got. What, we we, wouldn't, do, we
0: don't, wouldn't do this with uh, third-party uh, ad partners uh, of Google. We would only do it on the big properties of Google themselves. So, so only on Google, YouTube, Gmail, all the big uh, Google products would be affected by something like this.
2: You're talking about display
0: ads, not, not search ads. Well, also search ads. I mean, the beauty of this mega key is that you know, we found a way where the data is still being transferred to your browser. We take the ad out of the data stream, we pull it out. It's not even loaded. Okay, so Google doesn't get the feedback this ad has been loaded, meaning they are not going to charge the guy who orich- originally bought that ad. Okay, We pull it out of the data stream and we put something else into the data stream before it gets to the browser. So we can basically do very targeted advertising. We know what kind of search you made and according to that, we can sell advertising Uh, that is very targeted depending on the keywords on the search. So let me give you an example. If you're a Google advertiser today and you have to pay a dollar a click uh, for your ad with Google AdWords, if you come to us, you can have that same ad for half the price and you will have the same uh, space that you used to have uh, when you were advertising with Google.
1: You're buying a pretty big fight with Google, aren't you?
0: I I tell you one thing, okay, that I am certain about. This is going to happen, mega key or not. The war will shift from on-site advertising, and it is a war, there's a fight for eyeballs, okay, will shift from online, on-site advertising to the computer of the user because that's the source of the eyeballs, and everyone wants to get to them. And everyone wants to know as much as possible about their advertisers. They want to know how old they are, what they are interested yeah. in, uh, you know, what country they are living in. I mean, all these things that you can collect that allow you to do more targeted advertising. Also meaning, you as an advertiser have a much higher return on investment. Because when you do it that way, You know, you have to spend less money to have better results. Okay, so as an advertiser, an application like Mega Key is also much more attractive. It's something that I would be willing to put more money in because not only can I measure uh, the success of my campaign much better, but I can also have a higher ROI because I can really target the group of people that is interested in my product. So, what's going to happen, Mega Key or not? is that uh, people in this fight for eyeballs are going to turn to applications to you know, control uh, what these people are seeing on the Internet. And it's going to happen anyway. I mean, uh, since this innovation uh, has been discussed online, you know, I mean, you, you, we know of a few companies now that are working on something like this. So it doesn't matter if I launch it now or not. The idea is out there. I put that out there when I was confident, okay, we are now a week away from launching Megabox and Megakey. I went out and I started talking about it. And I gave interviews and uh, explained how it worked. And then the raid happened a week later. You know, So I wasn't able to launch it anymore, but everyone else learned about this. You know, interesting idea and now there are companies actually uh, uh, making this kind of software.
2: Let me just chime in real quick on, on your point too. Um, consumers have a right to control their viewing experience and so if a consumer goes to a site and wants to download MegaKey they have a right to install whatever software they want on their computer they have a right to do even ad blocking if they wanted to. So if a consumer would only download this if they found value in it and if that value is being able to look at content for free because it's being subsidized, that's a consumer rights issue. So this is not really taking from anyone. This is the consumer having a freedom, to, uh, freedom of choice. Any other, any other questions at all?
1: Yeah, what's... Um, I guess looking at this from a New Zealand uh, perspective, you're currently you're a New Zealand-based business. What's the, what's the opportunity, you know, here in New Zealand? You know, there, there, there's... I guess you know a need for uh, New Zealand to be earning uh, earning export revenues from things other than where most of many of our revenues come from uh, today. What's the, what's the longer term opportunity uh, here for, for New Zealand?
0: Mm. So I have a few goals regarding New Zealand. Number one, uh, our business is based here now, and we want to create jobs in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, Mega Upload had 220 employees. Uh, A lot of them we want to hire back, but a lot of them have also moved on into other jobs. So, we're trying, you know, if if the growth is how it looks after the first uh, day, uh, you know, of business, if the growth continues to be like this, we'll need a lot of help, and we'll primarily hire uh, staff in New Zealand. Uh, It would also be very nice to list the company at the New Zealand Stock Exchange, so at some point in the future, that is already you know part of our uh, plan to uh, have a listed company on the New Zealand uh, Stock Exchange. And on top of that, and most importantly to me, I want to contribute with Mega to bring a second cable to the reality. Because right now, uh, New Zealand is an Internet wasteland by design you know, this this monopoly of the Southern Cross Cable and the, the, the massive charges. One really interesting uh, story uh, here is that the Southern Cross Cable is like this 10-lane highway. They have all this capacity, but it's only 5% utilized, okay? So they keep it artificially. They only give you one lane, so they can charge everyone more money, right? That's stupid. I mean, it's, it's hindering progress in New Zealand by design because they just want to squeeze out as much as they can, you see. And if there is a second cable in place, that doesn't work anymore. All it takes is one more cable. It doesn't even have to land in the U.S. It can go to Panama. Panama is much better anyway because you are faster. In Europe, Panama is, the, is in the center between South America and North America and everyone is connected through Panama already. They have submarine connections to South America, uh, into the U.S., and then from there uh, over to Europe. You know. And they wouldn't have issues uh, like the U.S. has where you, know, you can't choose the provider that you work with. You can't have a Chinese company Lay your cable because they are worried that they might put some gear in there that allows uh, for all the traffic to be monitor- monitored. Panama wouldn't give you restrictions like that, and the reason the U.S. is giving you restrictions like that is because they want to put their own spy tech into the cable. You know, the U.S. providers of uh, uh, submarine cables—they they have spy technology built in. You know, so um, I want to uh, work with the people that have started Pacific Fiber, with uh, Greg Norman from the Green Party who has uh, released his plan for uh, a second cable. I want to work with them to make that happen. And uh, when it happens, I want to be the largest customer on that cable. I want to you know, put a significant percentage of my traffic on that cable. I want to host servers in... Uh, New Zealand and I want to have much more pull of data out of New Zealand than uh, what the New Zealanders are pulling out of uh, you know, the US. And If you do that, if you achieve uh, that the number of connections that are coming to New Zealand is higher than the number of connections that is going out of New Zealand uh, you then have uh, opportunity to charge the other side. You can then say to the U.S. providers, hey, you want to have access to this data on, on our cable. You need to pay a, a tiny peering fee. okay?" And all of a sudden, you make more money on the other side, meaning you can give reasonable rates uh, to, the, to the consumers in New Zealand. And if you have uh, really a lot of traffic, like Mega Upload used to have, and you have that... Uh, coming out of New Zealand. Imagine if you would have uh, 50 million people a day going to New Zealand, pulling data out of New Zealand, versus the 4 million that are taking it from the other side. Of course, you make much more money with the traffic that is international pulling out of New Zealand. And therefore, you can subsidize the fees that New Zealanders have to pay. You can actually, because New Zealand is such a small country... You can actually offer free internet uh, to New Zealanders. So, you know, when I said that, that wasn't just a marketing stunt or something. That is a real uh, possibility.
2: All right, we're gonna go ahead, David. Sorry, uh, just uh, of the people that have signed up so far, do you have any data around how many uh, paying customers, how much data yeah. you know, we do? Yeah, we
0: will be? Yeah, yeah. We will release that. I, I will have a nice uh, little piece of paper. Uh, just before my press conference, and I will I will give some numbers, yeah. Can but it's ask? it's much more than we expected. I mean, it's, uh, you know, has been uh, quite a rush to the side. Can we ask a couple
1: of separate questions? Yes, I was quite excited. We
2: have a little bit of time. In I
0: uh, yeah, uh, I have to go uh, and be on stage and do my he- rehearsals yeah. and things. So uh, just
1: right. so, so yeah. if anyone has any
2: last questions, then we're just going to go ahead and end it. we got a very busy day for the rest of today.
1: Okay. Just quickly, I mean, how confident are you that the new mega will stand up to not only legal, but also the traffic um, that, that's coming in the next...
0: Yeah so yeah. legally it's probably the most scrutinized uh, internet startup in history I mean uh, every pixel on the site has been checked for uh, you know all kinds of uh, legal potential legal challenges uh, we have a great team of very you know talented lawyers that are the ex- experts in in intellectual property and internet law and they have worked together with us to create uh, mega so you know I'm pretty confident that any legal challenge uh, is going to be very difficult. And uh well the rush to the site is is really something I mean we, we knew it's going to be looked at, but we were, we were also thinking that because of what happened to Mega Upload people would be hesitant, right? The amount of sign ups that we have now is nothing uh, uh, you know in in the range that we expected it 's much bigger than we thought it would be and it's i mean it 's just i 'm totally amazed you know unfortunately in the in the last few days there's been a lot of reporting about this new mega, and that has also helped you know i mean every single i t blog out there has written something about it you know, and we gave early access to Uh, you know I think about a hundred journalists uh, around the world and they you know tested the site for uh, I think a day and then created their stories which were you know not just what is it they actually had an idea what it is wrote about it already and it got people excited because they really saw well he's not just tweeting big words there is a big product behind it you see and uh, so yeah I mean we're all totally excited Okay.
2: Thanks everyone for coming here today. Thank you very much. Most of you later.
1: Thanks everyone for listening to the New Zealand Tech podcast today. Uh, we do, of course, have lots of other episodes uh, online at the moment, and uh, and a bunch more coming uh, soon from uh, from CES. We have a number of shows, uh, including interviews with people from the startup uh, debut. Uh, so some very very interesting discussions there, as well as a range of interviews from uh, across the show floor. Uh, so please uh, please have a listen into those. You can, of course, follow us online. Uh, NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at nztechpodcast.com. And you can follow myself, Paul Spain, on Twitter at PaulSpain. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.